Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hello guys, welcome, welcome. I hope that you don't hear too much background noise in today's episode. Um, I'm having to record this a little bit early and um, it's very noisy in my house today. The boys have got the TV on pretty loud, but I need to record early because I've got our big national uh, ACC conference this week and I didn't want to not put up an episode even though I'm going to be really busy. And so recording a little bit earlier Also, just before I get cracking, so much to say today about the gender ideology, but I just want to say thank you so much to um, all of the people that are jumping on to become members on the Buy Me A Coffee platform. You can join for $5 a month. Like I said, I've got an aim of um, 50 members a month so that I can podcast a whole day a week. but I think we're up to about 13 now, but I just wanted to just give a shout out and people are writing comments with it too, which I really appreciate. So I got this one this week. Um, one of the members says, what would we do without you? You are a big blessing to us all. Thank you for the time you put into each episode. They're full of relevant information and sometimes controversial content. Yes. That not many leaders want to address. I admire your faith, passion, and boldness to educate us all. Guys, when you write things like that, I, from the bottom of my heart, really, really, truly appreciate it. I really do. It means the world to me. I, you know, read back over them and that's when I go, okay, keep going. Come on, Renee, keep going. You can keep doing, keep putting all the work in. So just a really huge shout out to Brooke, Victoria, Chloe, Anonymous, uh, Kylie, Sophie, Louise, Marie, Pam, Christina, Renee, Rochelle, and Adriana. Appreciate you guys so much. All right. On with today. So the title of today is called Mr. Beast, who you'll find out who that is in a moment if you don't already know, plus children are not confused about gender. So last week we talked about how people like Dylan Mulvaney, go back to last week if you didn't, go back to the Instagram too, you can see him singing, but people like him in the trans community are making the whole transition thing look like a walk in the park, like all your problems will be solved. They create this beautiful community where everyone's accepted and, you know, we even go to church. Dylan Mulvaney goes to church and loves Jesus too. Like, it's just like one big infomercial really. And governments and organizations call all this transition trans care. Very interesting use of words, which again, just is to, uh, you know, another ploy to seduce especially young people into this false reality that they're being cared for. So today I want to talk about how children, when left alone, are not at all confused about gender. Then we're going to talk about what happened with Mr. Beast, who is the biggest or one of the biggest YouTubers on the planet. And then that is going to lead us into the third part, which is going to be the reality of these stage two transition. We did stage one last week. I want to talk about the reality of stage two, which is called hormone replacement therapy. Now, a friend sent this to me 
just this week. And she hadn't even heard, by the way, my episode about talking to children about gender. But I asked for her permission to read this to you. You are not going to believe this story. My friend's got two little girls. Um, so where is it? A mum at our local park last week was chatting with her daughter and introduced her little child to my daughter. I think she was trying to help her little one to make friends. Anyway, this mum said to my daughter, hello, what's your name? This is Mimi, my child. He, she wants to play with you. His, her favorite toy is Barbie. I was like, and then there's like question mark, question mark, exclamation mark, question mark. Just say he or she, don't confuse my three-year-old. Great point, right? It's like, I mean, it's one thing to confuse your own child, but sure as heck you ain't confusing mine. Now, this is from a mum, like I said, a friend with two small girls, and she is right. What the heck is this ideology doing to our children? So I wanted to start in part one of this one today talking about a child's development. I've had a lot of experience, guys. I studied this at uni and I want to talk about what this ideology being pushed by adults is going to do and is already doing. Now, let me have a little caveat here. I am referring to the majority of children, okay? I am not talking about the tiny percentage who do or might have genuine gender dysmorphia. They are the exception. I would say out of all of my years of teaching, 20 years of teaching, there would be one little boy that I would say genuinely, I watched him have true gender dysphoria. I saw his parents, Aussie Ocker Australians, and, um, you know, this little boy always wanted to dress in girls' clothes. It, it just, and he was very young. So I would say that that child genuinely had it. Now, when I was in university, a large part of what we studied was not actually the curriculum or what to teach children. We spent the majority of our time looking at child development and how they learn and how they develop and how they grow. And we learned that an important part of us developing our identity, of course, is understanding who we are and the people around us. That is why as a prep teacher, one of the themes that most prep teachers will do is to do with the community where you look at yourself and the people around you and who, you know, because you understand yourself when you understand those uh, around you and the place that you're in. So they learn who they are and what their place is in the world. Now, have you seen children draw drawings? I've been watching children do drawings for 25 years, including my own children. Now, they love drawing pictures of themselves And when they draw pictures of themselves, they very often put other people in it that are important in their world, okay, their mum, dad, siblings. And you'll start to see that as they progress with their drawings, they start noticing things like hair colour and eye colour. And for the majority of children, they're not at all confused about gender. You know, you'll see them draw mum and dad, and they're very clearly drawing boys and girls. So let's look at how their awareness of gender develops. Now, according to all of the studies that I researched, around the age of two, they become conscious that there's differences between boys and girls. You might notice that with your own kids. It's like, you know, you can bath them together for a while until they get to about two and then all of a sudden they're like, hang on a minute, 
you know, my brother looks different to me. My sister looks different to me. It's like, oh, okay, time for separate baths. Uh, But then sometime before their third birthday, they can easily label themselves as a boy or a girl. Then by age four, most children have a stable sense of their own gender identity. And then by age six, most children spend most of their playtime with members of their own sex and they gravitate towards activities associated with it. That is 100% true um, for the majority of children. I've watched preps. Uh, the girls tend to play together. The boys tend to play together. Sometimes sometimes they'll play um, boys and girls, but for the majority, they do spend most of their time with members of their own sex. Now, do you ever remember a time when a child asked you, am I a girl? Is that a boy? You know, or can you remember a girl asking, can I be a boy? Like in all of my 20 years of teaching and then all of my time as a parent, that would have to be a big no from me because they don't need to. Now, you might get the occasional really inquisitive kid that might ask a question around it, but in general, it just it just is what it is when it comes to kids. Now, of course, there are variations in how they express that, and there's nothing wrong with that, but they are not confused. Just leave the adults out of it and go and watch a bunch of children in the schoolyard. I've spent my whole adult life. I started teaching guys. I got my first teaching job when I was 19. I studied them in uni before that from the age of 17. So since I've been 17, I've been watching children in the schoolyard. They are not obsessing over each other's gender. They know what they know and they just get on with it. Like, what are we expecting children to do now? Start obsessing over gender and asking each child in their class, oh, what's your preferred gender and pronoun? And what's your preference of game that you'd like to play? It really is a madness. From observation, from over 20 years in the classroom and three children of my own, the children are not confused about gender. The adults are. For children, except that tiny percent with genuine gender dysphoria, it really is simple. It's not complicated. You're either a boy or a girl. It's biology. It's obvious to them. It's a stable trait. The adults are the ones complicating it. Now, one of the ways that children learn uh, about the world and about themselves is through play. I studied play a lot in university, and this process is a natural and normal part of childhood, and it's also a normal and natural part of the way that they work out uh, what gender means. So when Georgia and Liam were really little, I would say Georgia was probably like three and a half-ish, and Liam was probably two, like under two, they loved dressing up, right? Now, a few times I remember walking into the room and both Georgia and Liam were dressed up as fairy princesses in these pink little outfits with tutus. Now, both of them would have makeup on. And usually I remember Georgia was obsessed with stickers and she would put stickers all over Liam's face. Now, I didn't walk in there. I mean, I had a good laugh and I've got photos of it, but I didn't go, oh my gosh, you know, Liam's three and look at this or two and a half, however old he was. And look at him, he's dressed as a girl. Oh no, maybe he's identifying as a girl. (gasps) Is he transgender? Oh my gosh, maybe I need to get him assessed. No, that's called play. He was copying his sister. He was following his sister's lead. Play is a huge part of how children learn. 
And I knew that give it a few months, and this is exactly what happened, he was soon dressing up as Spider-Man and Superman and Batman. I wasn't concerned. And every now and then he'd put on a pair of heels and clomp around because Georgia did. I'm not concerned about that. It's a, it's a part of what they, uh, what they do when it comes to play. And by the time children are three, they prefer to play games that are more for their own gender. And again, there's also nothing wrong with that. That is not oppressive. It's not oppressive that Liam wore a Spider-Man outfit while Georgia dressed as a fairy princess. Georgia could have put on the Spider-Man outfit if she wanted to. She probably did a couple of times, but in general, she'd have the fairy costume and he would have the Batman. There is nothing oppressive about that. I have never, ever, ever in all my years of experience ever had a child ask me what theirs or another child's gender is. They just know. They call the girl she, they call the boys he, it's just a given. Adults are causing distress in children. If you are five and you're a girl and you know it and so does everyone else and now you're being told none of that is real, that's really disconcerting for a child. Their whole reality then becomes shaky and uncertain. What adults are doing to children, the psychological confusion that this is creating cannot be underestimated, let alone that little girl in the playground who I don't know how old that little girl was, but for the parent to be putting that on her. What makes it worse is we teach children, of course we teach children to listen to the adults in their lives, right? To their parents and to their teachers and to other adults. And when these people are telling them things that go against what they've already worked out for themselves, there's nothing more disconcerting and confusing for a child. Now, young children, according to all the studies, are especially trusting of the things that they are told. Now, I know this to be true. We all would. I got my kids to believe in the tooth fairy easily. In our house, guys, the tooth fairy was called Jemima. And when I would pick up the tooth of whoever, whichever of my kids had lost their tooth, and I'd leave the money, I used to always leave a little note from the tooth fairy. Now, I would do the little lipstick. I would draw a tiny little lipstick kiss. And then I'd write a note about thank you for your tooth um, and how that tooth would be used in tooth fairy land. And honestly, my kids believed it for years that's just called make-believe. That's a part of childhood. Now, a study of three-year-olds published in the Journal of Psychological Science finds that they're not just generally trusting, they're especially trusting of the things that adults say to them. And then there's been a bunch of other studies that have been done that have confirmed this, that young children will believe someone's word on something even if it conflicts with something that they've just seen. So this means, guys, that they will give up beliefs that they hold if they conflict with something that an adult is telling them differently. Now, when adults start reading picture books to children, like the ones that are in our libraries, telling them that they might not be the gender they were assigned at birth, and they can choose or change their gender, and there are many, many genders, and it's not true there are only boys or girls, well, they believe adults, even if their little brains tell them otherwise, because adults are always right, right? I mean, they're adults. What they say is true, right? 
So the danger is that children will believe these adults' ideology about gender, even though if you just leave kids to it, they'll work it out. They work out who, who's what, what's a boy, what's a girl. But when adults tell them something different, they're going to believe it. And that in turn, by the way, is justifying the adults who can then say, oh, look at all these children who are trans children. They're going to use that to confirm their belief system when in reality they've manipulated these children to believe it. So what we're looking at here is adults who would rather a child suffer then them question their own ideologies and the possibility that this experiment just might go terribly wrong. So our children are actively being targeted. Now, this takes me on to the second thing I wanted to talk about, and that is what's happening with Mr. Beast. Now, Mr. Beast is a YouTube channel that began in 2012, and it is one of the most popular on the planet with 144 million subscribers. So who's behind it and what is it? It was founded by this guy called Jimmy Donaldson. And let me tell you, when he started Mr. Beast, he was 13. Now, this channel is full of viral challenges and stunt videos that are hugely popular amongst boys, especially aged probably around 11, 12 to 14. So once this YouTube channel took off and got really big, um, Jimmy decided to hire a bunch of his childhood friends to join him. And so that's what he's done. And now he's got a team of 30. Now, the other thing to note, which I find really interesting, is that Mr. Beast, I'll call him. Um, he he gives a lot of money away. He actually's even got a channel called Mr. Beast. I think it's called Mr. Beast Philanthropy, and he gives millions of dollars away through this. So even just this year, he paid for a thousand people to have cataract surgery so they could see better. He's won award after award, and Time Magazine have listed him in the top 100 most influential people. Another interesting thing, guys. He actually attended a Christian high school and he only just graduated in 2016. So I'm wondering if these bunch of boys that work for him, since they are his childhood friends, I'm wondering if perhaps they also went to that Christian high school. Um, I'm not sure, but I'm gathering if they're his childhood friends, they might have. Now, what's happened is a week or so ago, one of his childhood friends who works with him on Mr. Beast, uh, one of the content creators called Chris Tyson, he publicly admitted starting gender-affirming healthcare in February of this year because one of the fans noticed how much he'd changed. They're like, dude, what the heck's going on? Why do you look so different? And so he publicly admitted that he's been receiving hormone uh, replacement therapy. Now, this guy, he was married and he has a child. He's a father of a boy, a little boy called Tucker, and he was married but he separated last year in 2022. And before that, I'm gathering while he was still married, I don't know how his wife put up with this, but he'd already before that announced that he was bisexual. And at some stage, he also announced he was gender non-conforming. I'm not sure when he announced that part. So if you have a look at this timeline, he has a kid. He announces in 2020, he's bisexual. He's already married with a kid. And then 2022, he separates from his wife. And now 2023, he started hormone replacement therapy and saying he's gender non-conforming. So if you see photos of him before the pandemic and now, he does look significantly different. Now, firstly, 
This is just so flipping confusing to me. Now, he says that he uses any pronouns, and the article I kept reading, they kept referring to him as they, their, and themselves. Really confusing reading articles using things that I know are grammatically incorrect. Um, But I'm just thinking, well, if he uses any pronouns, why can't he just continue using the pronoun he? Why does he have to use them, they, there? Now, the other thing that confuses me is he says that he is gender non-conforming. But then I wonder, well, why then take hormone replacement therapy, which makes him more feminine and grow his hair long to look more feminine? Like, how is that gender non-conforming? He's just becoming more female. But it just seems like there are no rules on this. It's everyone is just making it up as they go. They call themselves what they like on any given day according to how they feel. Now, Mr. Beast hasn't said an awful lot, but he has commented, got you, like I've got you on his friend's post, but he has come out recently and stuck up for him and just said that he's sick and tired of all the transphobic comments and Chris is his friend. And I can understand that, right? Like you don't want to abandon or turn your back on your longtime close friend. I wouldn't turn my back either. Um, But there's a real conundrum here. Now, when I say I wouldn't turn my back, it doesn't mean I'm going to agree with what, you know, my friends do, but I won't turn my back. Okay. Just caveat that. But there's a real conundrum here. And that is, of course, Mr. Beast is hugely popular amongst children and young teens. So they are all watching this unfold. Now, we all want our children to have great role models. Well, welcome to today's role models, ones where there is so much carnage here, but hey, as long as they're happy. So Chris Tyson no longer refers to himself as a father. So his son now long, no longer has a father, but a parent who is non-gender conforming. Now try asking all the children who have no father how that worked out. I'm one of them. And his wife no longer has uh, a husband. But, you know, apparently that's okay because according to the articles, there's not a lot on it. But from what I read, she's really cool about it. And they're all super friendly. Fuel problem diverted, right? And this is all being idolized and held up as something really great. Now, I don't know, Chris, and maybe he has gender dysphoria, genuine gender dysphoria. Maybe he's been like this and felt this way since he was a child. I don't know him, but this certainly is dividing fans and many are praising Chris after he shared his hormone replacement therapy journey. And they're saying things like, I've got so much respect, so much love for you. And Chris himself calls it life-saving. And he said in a tweet recently, I'm genuinely so glad so many people are learning what HRT is and I can show it can and has helped so many people because of my tweet. So he thinks he's doing a really great thing. He thinks that he is spreading the word about HRT, but these people have no idea. So let's, this is, brings me beautifully into the third thing I wanted to talk about Let's actually look at hormone replacement therapy. So last week we talked about the three stages, four if you include the social transition at the start. Stage one, let's include stage one as the social. Stage two 
are those puberty blockers I talked about last week, which pauses puberty while a child, because remember you have to catch them at the start of puberty, so you're talking a 10, 11 or 12 year old, so that the puberty can be paused while they decide what gender they would like to be. Now we talked about the side effects last week. We also talked about how everyone is ignoring the well-known statistic that the overwhelming majority of children, if left alone, are happy with their gender that they were born with by the time they're 17 or 18. So stage three, after puberty blockers, stage three is this HRT, the hormone replacement therapy. Now I had a look, this has not become massive yet in Australia, but I had a look and it can be given to uh, teenagers under 18, But as far as I'm aware, only through a court process, whereas puberty blockers do not need that court process. They just need agreement from the caregiver and a doctor and the child. But hormone replacement takes a little bit more. Now, when a person is given hormones, of course, they're given either estrogen or testosterone, which is going to make them either more masculine or more feminine. Now, let's look at the side effects of HRT. In reality, the long-term use, and yes, long-term use is uh, going to happen because when people transition, they have to be on these hormone treatments the rest of their life. So the long-term use shortens their lifespan. Now, there are many complications that they're not telling people about. And I don't know if Chris Tyson knows about all of these or if, I don't know, it's a bit like when you go for an operation and they give you an anesthetic and they tell you all of the things that could happen, but you sign it anyway, right? Like you don't kind of really read the fine print. It's just like, oh, yeah, no, I'll be fine. Maybe this is what happens with this. I don't know. But there are many long-term complications. And anyone that have that have had these and then detransition will tell you how harmful these hormone therapies are, but they, and most of these are are irreversible. So they decrease life expectancy. They increase the risk of heart attack. They increase the risk of blood clots. They damage your liver. They damage your bone density. They increase mental health complications. They increase the chance of getting um, a, a mood syndrome. It prematurely ages the brain. They reduce the chance for lifelong sexual pleasure and they increase the chance massively of sterility and infertility. Of course, for girls, it also deepens their voice, which is also, by the way, irreversible. So this is the reality of what Chris Tyson is actually facing. This is what people are naively affirming. And the danger, of course, is that the YouTube platform, Mr. Beast, has the ear of a young generation. So if they're affirming this, it just makes it more normalized. Now, it's one thing for a grown adult to choose to do this. They can do what they want. But this is giving the idea to young people who maybe are struggling with their identity or for whatever reason are vulnerable. Uh, It's giving them the idea that such treatment is going to save them and solve their problems and make them feel a whole lot better. Now, 
there are already in some countries where this has been practiced for a while, young people who are detransitioning and starting to sue uh, governments and organizations for allowing this to happen. So I want you to listen to this. This is a young woman whose parents were manipulated into treating um, their daughter with cross-sex hormones and surgery. Now she's now detransitioned back, but the damage is irreparable. Have a listen to this. At 16, the very first medical intervention I ever had was a double mastectomy. A few months later, I was then put on cross-sex hormones. I am now 21. I live with constant joint pain to the point that it is so bad that I have not been able to get out of class, out of bed to go to class some days. My vocal cords ache, my breasts are gone, and I will never know if I will be able to carry a child because there's a good possibility I'm sterile. You call this care. I could not consent to this due to both my age and my mental health conditions. Yet you call this care. My parents were baited with the idea that I would commit suicide if this was not given to me. They were told, would you rather have a dead daughter or a living son? These are not the words of a doctor. They are the words of a politically motivated activist. Kids deserve a chance to grow up whole. They deserve a chance at life. You can hear in her voice how angry she is. I mean, and you could hear some of the things that she suffers from that I didn't even list before, like her joints ache so badly all the time that she can't even get out of bed sometimes. Her vocal cords ache all the time. You could hear that her voice is deeper and sounds like a male. That's never going to go back. She doesn't know if she's sterile or not. And like she said, her parents were baited. And yet here in Australia, we're pushing for this. In February uh, last year, 2022, the Victorian government passed a bill to ban any suppression if a child wants to change genders. Conversion therapy also is uh, not only banned, but a criminal offence. So even if a young person came to a pastor and said, hey, I'm struggling, can you pray for me? And the pastor does. And later that young person changes their mind and makes an allegation that that prayer caused them distress or harm, that pastor can be put in jail for up to 10 years. If a parent does not agree to let their child start gender affirming treatment, they also could face either a huge fine or jail time. It's just crazy. It's all about letting the child decide. Yes, the child as if a child can consent to life-shortening drugs, as if a child is able to consent to the loss of their fertility. So another uh, individual, and I'll finish off with this girl's story, Kira Bell, a 24-year-old female who lives in the UK. Now, to quote herself, she said at the time she was very mentally ill, but the solution was for her to be given puberty blockers at the age of 16 to pause puberty, which she thinks, by the way, affected her mental health even more and made her keep going with the treatment. A few years later, she had a double mastectomy and then six years later, she regretted the whole thing. So this started at the age 16. She's now 25, sorry, not 24. She now fights against any treatments being given to children And she, for doing that, is now called a transphobe and a bigot and a traitor to the transgender community. This is how brutal the trans activists are. She's fighting to end the medicalization of children. 
Now, hers was the case that she, well, that they say woke up the world to the reality of the medical transition and the danger of affirming a child's belief about their gender without question. The clinic that did this to her, by the way, was forced to shut down. Now, Kira says that she cannot see one positive in the treatment and she wishes she had never been given the option at all. And this is exactly the danger with children. Giving them an option makes them think that there is one, but there isn't. And she says, and I quote in an article, my whole life has been affected and I'm not getting any relief from the medical issues I'm having. You can't even describe how much damage they caused. We all know that this is an experiment. Where do the adults think that this is leading when we're teaching children at the age of two and three and four about gender fluidity? Of course, it's going to lead to the Kira Bells of the world. Of course, it's going to lead to the other girl whose testimony I played you a minute ago. Of course, it will lead to a generation with more mental health issues than the current ones who think that they can fix it by taking hormones and chopping off body parts. It is a literal disaster waiting to happen. But no, let's keep filling our bookstores with rainbow books. Oh, and here's a good place to end, guys. And putting new emojis on our phones of trans women and pregnant men. I kid you not. Do this for a minute. Go grab your phone. Go to the emoji section right now. Put in the word woman and just just scroll and have a look at all the different kinds of woman, women. And you're going to come across uh, a woman who looks like a man. It's a woman with a beard. Mine's blonde. I don't know if that's because all of my emojis are blonde because I'm blonde, right? That That's in there as, as women. Put in the word pregnant. When I put in the word pregnant, I get one pregnant woman and two pregnant men. Now put in the word man and scroll to the left. Scroll, scroll, scroll and have a look. There's some interesting looking men in there. But the one that I definitely had to stop at was the one of the man in a wedding dress. Yes. Yes, a man wearing a veil. Guys, that right there tells you that this is being pushed, forced, uh, and proselytized upon us like it's a religion. People complain that the Christians used to proselytize. Well, this is a religion and they're proselytizing to us. And every single one of us has a phone. I think every single one of us has a phone. And on your phone, sitting in your pocket, sitting on your bedside table right now, are emojis that are normalizing this whole thing. And then we put these phones in children's hands and then we're giving children books. So I, it actually just makes me really annoyed and mad. And I just don't, I think people are so scared of saying something, but I don't know. I was taught when I was young that, you know, if there's a bully, if you just stare a bully in the face and kind of bark back, they soon run away. And this is definitely bullying a generation. And it is up to the adults. It is up to us. It is up to us in, uh, in this generation, the adults, to protect our children. And now I'm about to go on a rant because I just cannot believe that not enough adults are standing up to this. 
every adult, if every adult, because the majority of adults think that this is wrong, if the majority of adults stood up to this, they could not continue it. We need to start saying no. So there you go. I hope that's helped give you a little bit more information. And again, like I said last week, when you've got the facts, it helps you to argue better, smarter. It doesn't just have to be a, a religious argument, although of course that's my worldview, so I'll argue it from that point of view, but just from a physical damage point of view. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to chill now. Um, so thank you for joining me, guys. Um, I've got the best hack ever to help you guys this Friday on Parenthood Friday. It is going to save you so much money. It's a, it's not just a parenting hack. It's for anyone who does any sort of, I won't, I'm not even going to tell you, come and join me on Friday for Parenthood and, um, you are just, your mind's going to be blown. Anyway, I love you guys. Have a great week until then. Bye.